Hey, this is uh, comedian Paul Mercurio, and you're listening to my buddy PF's tape recorder. He's the man. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's Alex Stone. From being out here, I have I have come to understand that a lot of uh, like universal stereotypes uh, come from just TV writers in Los Angeles. Alex Stone is a stand-up comedian originally from Cincinnati, Ohio, and he went to Chicago and then New York, and now he's living out in Los Angeles, so we're going to catch up with him. His name came up when we were talking to Dave Waite a couple of weeks ago, another Cincinnati guy. We have a song of the week coming up from Tom Bailey. You may know him better as uh, the chief songwriter in Thompson Twins, and we're going to have a couple of uh, dumb bits from the archives for you here first. I was watching one of those science shows on PBS, as I want to do. This one's called First Peoples, and it came out in the summer, and I meant to record it, and I forgot all about it. Happened to stumble on it again uh, about a month ago, and it covers the uh, Homo sapiens uh, coming into Asia and Europe and all the uh, populated continents, I guess, ever except Antarctica. And it's fascinating. If you can catch it, try to. You used to be able to catch everything on the PBS.com website. Now you can't, so you have to like check your local stations and maybe it or DVR it. Anyway... The one about Europe, of course, involves uh, Neanderthals. And I guess modern humans, in a nutshell here, modern humans, of course, came into uh, Europe. Neanderthals were already there. And they thought that maybe that Neanderthals were just too dumb to survive. And they later figured out, well, no, what happened was that there were just so many humans coming in that we overwhelmed them. Uh, they ended up interbreeding a little bit, but that's eventually what wiped Neanderthals out. And the other interesting thing that they found out was that Neanderthals, what separated Neanderthals from modern humans or Homo sapiens, is the fact that while Neanderthals could make tools, modern humans or Homo sapiens also made art. Okay? So uh, what's interesting is they found this uh, one thing before we get to the main one. They found this figurine, uh, if it's, it's a, a man's body with a lion's head or a tiger's head. And they uh, show these, you know, they have the actors reenacting what the, what the cave people were doing. And they show them placing this against the guy's forehead, and they thought it maybe some religious object. I thought it'd be funny if it turned out later on, just a little knick-knack. They stuck on a boulder in the cave and said, oh, it looks nice there. Nice decoration. Or it was a gag gift to somebody. Hey, you know, we're always calling you Tiger Head. Ah, there you go. Happy birthday. So anyway, the other thing that they found that was very interesting. Oh, by the way, they found this Tiger Head thing in two different places, uh, two different versions, a bigger one and a smaller one. So they figured this was kind of ubiquitous to the modern humans there in this valley in Germany. Anyway... The one thing they found was very interesting. It's a, uh, the oldest known uh, figurine of a human, uh, carved by humans. And, uh, well, this fella uh, describes it, and it's very, very interesting. Oh, and this figure is called the Venus of Hollofeld, which is like the valley in Germany where it was found, and is a figure of a woman, and uh, this archaeologist describes it. It's interesting to look at what is depicted and what's absent. What is most prominently absent is the head. There's no head at all. Instead of a head, there's a ring showing that it was used perhaps as an ornament or worn around the neck. Okay, so far so good. Can you give us any more details? What is present are the sexual characteristics. The pubic triangle and the vulva are very intensely cut out, showing that the genitalia of reproduction were important. The breast, enormous breast, oversized, also consistent with the idea of fertility. 
So I'm not sure what this dude is getting at, but I think he's trying to like run some jive bias that, oh, well, it's it, it, it fertility. And it, no, they found ancient porn. The first figurine of a human, the oldest one they can find, is actual porn. Modern man was actually pervy, which I think is just brilliant. What is present are the sexual characteristics. See, what I think happened here is that you, you said earlier, of course, that the the figure had no head to it, like it was maybe it was worn around the neck. Or the lo- I think what happened was it probably did have a head at one point, and then, like, cave woman found dude's stash and threw it against the cave wall and maybe broke the head off. So that's what I think happened there. So, uh, yes, um, First Peoples, very fascinating. We learned that uh, humans overwhelmed Neanderthals, and more importantly, that modern man was, in fact, actually very pervy. This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Now, on with the show. Alex Stone's a stand-up comedian originally from Cincinnati, Ohio. He's making his home out in Los Angeles now, writing for television. Here now is our interview with Alex Stone. Hello? Hey, Alex, it's P.F. Hey, P.F., how are you? Pretty good, man. How you been? I've been well, as well as you can be, Exa- given the state of the world. But uh, that's, uh, that's what everybody is saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, you're out in Los Angeles now. I am, yeah. I've been out here for three and a half years, is that yeah. right? That yeah, might be right. I think, we spoke, I think that's right. Yeah, I think we've spoken to you once since you moved from Chicago, and... Uh, yeah, I went from Chicago to New York. I was in New York for two years and then here uh, for, I think, three and a half years, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, if folks listen closely, they can hear my washing machine going down here. And, uh, ah, a little, little treat for the listeners. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So you can. this is uh, this is truly a recorded at-home uh, podcast. So anyway, I was talking to a Dave Waite uh, two weeks ago. I've been going through all the Cincinnati guys. Gabe Key was on last week. And he mentioned something that you would had just before all this happened. You had something going on with the Sci Fi Channel. Yeah, I had for the past like two years now. I've been developing a show uh, with them that uh, got picked up to series at the end of last year, and at the start of this year, we were making it. Uh, we had a twelve episode order, and we were writing and right as we're about to enter uh, the production phase of things is when uh, the whole world shut down. So that, uh, that's what I've been up to for the past a while and uh, even longer now that we've kind of had to, to stop down with everyone else and just kind of hit pause. So I think the last time we spoke to you, you had, you had just moved out there and you had done a, there was a little clip of you as a zombie taxi cab driver. I can't remember what it was for. You did, a, did it for somebody, yeah. which is very hilarious. Yeah, that- Oh, thank you. That was um, it was for the Sci-Fi Channel as well. That was a show called Live from Comic Con. It was a oh, guess right. a live live talk show from Comic Con, um, which is actually how I ended up 
it was the first domino in the process of, of pitching the show is that they had the idea internally at the network to do a, a movie review show, but uh, they couldn't get access to any real film clips or real actors. And what would that be? And uh, a buddy of mine who whom I met on that live from Comic-Con show made these short cold opens, that zombie uh, clip being one of them uh, that they really liked internally. So they reached out to us to kind of come in on, and pitch on what that show would be. And so that's kind of what got our foot in the door and, and kickstarted this whole process was they were just fans of, of those short little sketches we made for that show. Oh, that's cool. So the show you were you had in that's been paused right now, is it's a movie review show? Yeah, it's, uh, it is. It's, uh, it's a movie review show. Uh, it stars two puppets. Um, and uh, it's all fake. It's just a, a kind of a fictional movie review show where they talk about real movies and real things. But, uh, you know, if someone ever comes on the show, it's a fake character. And okay. uh, essentially, we, we, we kind of view it as a sketch show. It's just sketches about movies is, is how we picture it in our minds and how we, how we went about writing it. Okay, cool. And who's the? You said there's three of you mixed up in this. Well, there's there's two of us. There's me, and then uh, my who has become my writing partner for this is uh, his name is Adam Dabowski, uh, and the two of us created the show together. Cool. And so when uh, when you first got out to Los Angeles, were you doing a lot of stand up, or were you kind of focusing more on doing other things since you'd been doing so much stand up here back in Cincinnati and then then in Chicago and New York? Uh, I kind of, when I got out here, uh, almost immediately started focusing on, on more of the writing and trying to get my foot in the door into the TV world. I had been in New York for two years and didn't have the greatest time uh, uh, there. You know, it just kind of burned me out on stand-up, I guess. And so I was looking mm-hmm. for a change, just um, just a literal and uh, also a career change at that time. And uh just kind of fell into this writing thing when I got out here and, and just have been pursuing it ever since. And that has led me to where I am now, uh, fortunately. And did you have any other like uh, leads into writing? Are you ready to contribute anything or was most of your time concentrated on uh, the sci-fi channel stuff? Uh, my, fir- my first job when I got out here was for um, the USA Network. It was for this uh, weird little talk show that they did. And uh, the way that I ended up at the sci-fi channel was the showrunner who ran that show was doing this show for sci-fi, uh, sci-fi and um, brought me on over to that. So everything just kind of has rolled into the next thing. I, I never really have had the opportunity to kind of focus on um, where I would like to be. I'm very happy to be where I am. I don't want to yeah. give the impression that I'm not, but uh, it has just kind of uh, swung. I've just swung from one line to the next and been fortunate enough that each opportunity has led to another. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got here. Not not a bad way to do it. No, I know. I'm so, okay so you didn't didn't do any stand up since you've been out in in LA. You've been just focusing on the writing. Yeah, I have done some for sure. Uh, not as the, the least amount that I have done since I started X amount of years ago, uh, for sure. But I have done a little. But I'm both from a time standpoint. You know, the TV hours are long hours, and so. Oh, yeah. By the time I would wrap with the days, kind of all the shows had happened. And uh, like I said, I, my motivation was it was low coming off of New York. Uh, it's a thing that I love and I continue to love, but I feel very creatively fulfilled doing what I'm doing. And I'm scratching that writing itch uh, every day by writing comedy. So 
it's it's a weird thing where I don't feel like I'm missing anything. The performing and the immediacy of stand-up is, is something that I, I miss the most and, and that, without a doubt, I, I am missing out on. But uh, like I said, creatively, I feel very fulfilled that I'm getting to um, sit down and write and produce comedy and, and things uh, every day, which is really all that I ever wanted to do from the moment I started. That's cool. I, I do kind of uh, miss you doing stand-up, though, because um, I really enjoyed Hello!, uh, I have oh, a couple of comedy albums on my iPod. I'm old, so I have an iPod. Yeah. Uh, it's a big iPod. A lot of stuff on it. And usually when comedy comes up, if I'm not in a comedy mood, I will usually skip it. But I never skip your tracks. Uh, oh, wow. Bill Burr and uh, Tate. Whenever Tate stuff, I have one of his albums on mine, and that comes up. Uh, yeah. So there's a couple of guys I, I won't skip when they come up. That, oh, Gary Goldman. Uh, that I'll be, oh, this will be a, a fun little break from tunes right now to hear, to hear one of these bits. Um yeah, I, I, yeah, the hello is just, I highly recommend to folks out there listening. I'll recommend again when we do the uh, intro for the interview here. But, um, yeah, I always think about the, uh, being down here now in the basement where I am is where my office is. I think about that bit you did where you brought your friends down later on and there was all that writing on the wall. And you're like, wow, your dad's really working uh, some stuff out here. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Um, well, thanks. That's uh, it's very high praise. I, uh, uh, I appreciate that. Do you um, get back to Cincinnati much? I think, uh, I don't think you've been back here at least not doing stand-up in a while do you come back i mean when you're not doing stand-up and when most people when they come back dave for example uh you know he'll they'll do some shows that go bananas around holiday time but have you just kind of been sneaking into town then as it were uh honestly i i haven't been back to cincinnati a, a tremendous amount over the past couple of years uh more so the past year and a half i was going back to cincinnati very frequently because when i moved from cincinnati went to chicago chicago new york new york to here but that whole time, uh, my girlfriend was anchored in Cincinnati, and so I was going back uh-huh. on a very regular basis to see her. And so I felt like I was still very present uh, there. But uh, she actually moved out to California a year and a half ago. And so a big part of my Cincinnati travels, uh, or a big reason why I was going back, is now here in California. So I don't get back as much as I would like to, uh, to see my family and, and uh, friends and go bananas. But um, that's a long-winded way of saying I, I have not been back <laughs> a lot, but that is, that is why. So what part of uh, California are you uh, in? I mean, part We're in, in L.A., specifically in, in Glendale. Okay. There you go. In the valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Hot in the summer, but uh, beautiful otherwise. There you go. I remember watching an old show. It's, you might have remembered it. it was called It's Like You Know. You were probably grade school what it was on maybe I'm, not, I'm guessing but um, mm-hmm. I remember it was it was very inside they would always talk they had one episode where they were talking how hot it was in the valley and how it was I'm thinking like who's going to understand this unless they've been out there I just couldn't you know, <laughs> just a little yeah. I always think I'm of that a, from being out here I have I have come to understand that a lot of uh, like universal stereotypes uh, come from just TV writers in Los Angeles because I remember all growing up out here that like the DMV, off oh, the horrors of the DMV, it's going to take you 12 hours. But every time I went, it would be, it wouldn't be a breeze, but it would be like maybe 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. But that's just because the DMVs here are a nightmare. And so the DMVs, anytime they're portrayed on television, are a nightmare. But yeah. that's not really the case nationally. So there's like a lot of weird things like that where it's like, oh, that was just the experience of people who live in California and people in California make media and uh, it has it has uh, penetrated society. It's uh, it's very odd. Uh, traffic is one of those things. And, yeah. And even yeah, growing yeah. up in the 70s, 
you would you hear about it, you know, the traffic is bad in L.A., but it was kind of bad everywhere. So that was kind of a universal thing. And then even we were out there in the 90s. My wife and I went out and it was a little worse than, you know, Cleveland and Cincinnati and Pittsburgh where we'd lived. But, man, mm-hmm. it is horrific now. I mean, it is no joke. It's literally you look on the, to go five miles. It is going to take you two hours and you have to plan your day around that. And guys used to tell me all the time, oh, yeah, if, if I have a meeting uh, on the other side of town, that's my whole day. <clears throat> yeah, I, I have a friend who I went to high school with that lives out here. He lives in Santa Monica and I live in Glendale, which is it's they're both Los Angeles. And yes. so when I go back home, people are like, you probably, probably hang out a lot. And the way that I have to describe it is like it's as if I lived in Cincinnati and he lived in Columbus. Like we are that far away from each other in terms of driving time wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's tremendous. Yeah. And I did uh, I did Pat Francis's podcast last year. It's one of the fun things I got to do when I was out there. And the day before, I looked at the exact time I would be leaving uh, Anaheim uh, to get to Studio City, and I blocked out. And yeah, three and a half, three and a half hours or something like that. And yeah, we lucked yeah. out. It actually only took two and a half hours. But um, if you plan your day properly, I guess. But, man, <laughs> what, what a pain in the ass. If you plan your day properly, make sure you have a, a car with an air conditioner and uh, a way to plug your iPod in. You're, you're Ex- good. But, exactly, yeah. And maybe some snacks, uh, some water. Um, definitely. Yeah. Definitely snacks, definitely water. So what have you been doing during the, the big lockdown? I know Dave said he was just kind of – he was doing a little video series for a while, so he had a little something to do. And then uh, he played Frisbee with you. And that's how I remember you were out there. And uh, But what yeah. have, what's been what's been keeping you busy? You've been able to like write other stuff just in case you know things ever get back to normal and you have some stuff built up or – Yeah, so I have been pretty fortunate in terms of my – We've been able to kind of still work on this show, uh, given the nature of what it is, and we're talking about popular movies. Those are all pushing um, because people can't go to movie theaters, understandably. And so we've kind of been updating this whole time. So, like, I have been, uh, I've been working uh, for a, a big chunk of this, um, just remotely on Zooms and whatnot. Um, there have been like a few weeks sprinkled in where we we had to go on break for various reasons. And in that time, I did kind of write some things for myself, but I have been one of the lucky few that has been able to kind of stay busy and have somewhat uh, a little bit of normalcy in terms of like, at least I'm still employed um, and uh, all of that. So I I have been fortunate in that regard, Um, but that's most of what I've been doing. And then the rest of it is just Netflix and going on long walks with a mask on. And uh, (laughs) that's really the extent of it. There you go. That's playing frisbee with Dave. Dave, frisbee with Dave when you can. So and so production is completely shut down across the whole city still, right? Yes, yes. Uh, and there's, you know, everyone is trying to figure out how to navigate this new normal that we're in, and so there's there's a lot of talk of how do we return to work and return to production, but we're still at a stop down. So you know, if if we can do it safely, hopefully we get going by the end of the year. But if not, then. You know, we'll keep waiting and keep hoping, just trying to stay safe. Yeah, I think I was talking to my wife about this. She was like, we just have to just chuck the rest of 2020 and focus mm-hmm. on getting things restarted in uh, in 2021. That seems to be most people's attitude uh, is, yeah, just let's just call it a wash and then see what uh, the next flip of the calendar holds. But yeah. That may be us, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. So has it been pretty stressful out there? I know some, you know, here it's... Uh, it, I see more people wearing masks. I see a lot more people kind of, you know, going along and, and doing what we got to do. But then there's occasionally you'll see, you know, 
people not I had a, uh, uh, the lady at the, the the gas station down at the end of the street yelled at some guy for not having a mask on and uh, mm-hmm. it was a it was a big to do threw down his stuff and stormed out I'll go somewhere else she says please do go somewhere else so you don't kill me <laughs> yeah it's crazy I've seen yeah I've seen a, a little bit of that uh, there's some you know there's some strong opposition to it some places in California uh, we just honestly haven't been going out that much, so I haven't seen a whole lot of it. But uh, within, the, I'd say within the recent weeks, there has been a a pendulum swing towards people wearing masks. So that has been good to see. But when we would go out, it was uh, it was a bit of a struggle to see enough uh, masked faces. Yeah, Did, does it make you nervous at all? I mean, you're you're still a young guy, so. <laughs> yeah, I try I try and uh, balance that. Um, I, for the first bit of it, you know, I would say that I didn't consciously feel worried because of what you just said. I, I consider myself to be young and, and knock on wood healthy. Uh, but I will say that when I would go out and like be near someone without a mask where I couldn't, you know, socially distance, my heart would be a little bit faster and there was some undeniable amount of nerves. So, so both, uh, both things I think are true. I, I felt okay, but there is some part of me that is uh, nervous like the rest of the world. You think this kind of stick with you and you'll like look back on this kind of like in the same way that, uh, you know, we kind of look back on the 9-11 era and, and things like that. And uh, even for for my generation, the, uh, you know, the Ryan hostage, these big historic moments that kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. you just had when just the Hiroshima uh, bombing, we, uh, the bomb we, people have just been recalling and seeing how that's changed the world. Do you think it's one of those world changing events or do you think it'll be like, cause like the 1918 flu epidemic, it was impactful, but it, things went back to normal. I was talking to a historian. He said, well, it was, it happened. And then it kind of cropped up again the following winter. And then after that, it was pretty much gone. And then, yeah. you know, so do, do you, do you, do you see that happening? I'm not a medical expert, but just sure. as an yeah, observer just, uh, of society. I'm a guy that writes jokes, but I do, I do think there's no way that something this uh, global uh, is forgotten, for sure. I think it's funny that you bring up 9-11. I was just thinking about this last night of like in California, California is one of the hotspot states and it is a very populated state. So that is part of it. But I also look at New York and New York had that huge spike, obviously, at the beginning, but they have since got it under control and California seems to not be able to. Um, and I was kind of thinking about my time that I spent there. And I think that part of the reason is that they, I don't want to say that they had nine 11 uh, is why, but like, I think they have had moments where they had to kind of band together as a community. And uh-huh. I think just living in, New York is a more communal experience than living almost anywhere else in the country. You travel daily with everyone. You're walking. You're, you're so on top of each other. And in California, you're very isolated. You're in a car um, and you're alone. Uh, your, your space is bigger. You, you don't feel that same sense of community. And when I first got out here, that was one of the things that I liked about it is that I had that space and I could get in the car and I didn't have to touch another person. <laughs> but I do think it breeds kind of like a, my, my space is more important than your space, uh, mentality and, uh, you know, one before the many kind of way of thinking. And in New York, I think it is the opposite, uh, a little bit. And I think that's part of why that they have, uh, been able to keep it under control uh, in a way that California and other states have not. Um, but again, I say that, uh, acknowledging that I'm just a 
I'm just an idiot that writes jokes. But well, no, but was just it's, the thing I, I thought of last night. But as insightful because you've lived in both cities and you lived in another big city that's kind of like half and half. You know, the inner yeah. part of it is packed together, Chicago, where the outer suburbs are more like where we grew up. Um, so that's mm-hmm. very interesting. Yeah. Well, can, where can people find you like uh, on the social media? Is there anything they can find any of your current work or are you mostly buried in doing the sci-fi thing and, and people will see that when it finally happens? I'm pretty buried in that, so I'll say that people will find it uh, when it happens, hopefully. Uh, I hope that people find it when it's done. But uh, I'd say follow me on Instagram at alexstone11, okay. and I'll definitely post about it there. I started drawing uh, recently as a way to kind of relax. I've oh, been nice. posting those on my Instagram as well, so if you want to see those, those are being well, cool. posted there. Uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Great, man. All right. Well, appreciate you taking the time today, um, and I'll let you get back to work. Hopefully, we'll see the sci-fi show soon, and um, and uh, and just take it easy out there in California, man. Thanks, Pia. All right. Thanks, Alex. Stay safe. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to Alex Stone for being on the show. You can find Alex Stone on the internet at alexstonecomedy.com and all the social channels. Of course, he recommended Instagram as the one he keeps up with most of all. And boy, I was really kind of surprised to hear him say that he's not doing stand-up anymore, which is a, a shame because he's really, really good. And if you don't believe me, uh, go into your Spotify or it's even it might even be in Freegal, but Alex Stone, the album is called Hello, and it's super hilarious. I guarantee you're going to dig it. So anyway, in the meantime, we'll look for his, uh, uh, I guess, the review show he's working on with his buddies there and uh, hope that we'll get through this pandemic thing we can see some uh, new television soon. So in the meantime, we've come to our song of the week. Uh, this is actually from like two years ago because I didn't realize that it actually had come out. Uh, we saw Tom Bailey of Thompson Twins touring in one of the Retro Futura tours a couple years ago. He did so at the behest of uh, Howard Jones. He said, man, you got to get back out on the road and have some fun again. And he decided to also write some songs. So he wrote a whole album called Science Fiction uh, using his own name, Tom Bailey, even though, um, as it turns out, you know, it was kind of funny, when uh, Thompson Twins were touring this past time, I mean, when he was touring this past time as Tom Bailey of Thompson Twins, he was saying in interviews, well, you know, really it was just me. Uh, the other two were kind of like, they had their own jobs. Uh, Joe Leeway's job was to do the stage production. Alana occasionally wrote lyrics, and I think what her other job in the band was, I think she was in charge of the band's style and the, the look of the band. But anyway, uh, thanks for connecting the dots, Tom. I think we all had that sorted like years ago. Anyway, uh, the new album called Science Fiction, it reminds me a lot of like what Thompson Twins would have sounded like had they kept making records going forward from uh, the, when they re-signed with Warner Brothers. So it sounds like that, uh, a little Beatlesque in, in some parts, uh, kind of like because it's one of his big influences. But uh, this, the first single was called What Kind of World? So I'm going to make that our song of the week on PS Tape Recorder. So here you go. Tom Bailey, uh, What Kind of World? Song of the Week, PS Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening. 